Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. If you have a Bible this morning, go ahead and find it. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter number 29, and you can find a seat this morning. Genesis chapter number 29 is where we're going to be today. And today we are concluding a four-part series that we have been in entitled Love and War. And uh, this series has been all about our relationships. And uh, we've been looking at some relationships in the book of Genesis. And uh, has this series been a benefit to anyone this morning? Glad a couple of you. And this morning we're going to be in part four. Uh, of this series, and and I believe that it is one of the most important messages in the entire series. In week one, we talked about a match made in heaven, and we talked about some key elements to a healthy relationship. And uh, week two, we talked about you pick the wrong fight. And so often in our conflict resolution, we pick the wrong fight. We fight to make a point rather than to make peace. And so often we pick the wrong fight when it comes to our, our conflict and when it comes to relationships. And last week, we talked about family drama. And uh, uh, just all of the crazy scene that unfolded between Isaac and Rebecca and Esau and Jacob. And we're going to pick up on that story this morning. And uh, the title of the message this morning is The Battle of the Broken. The Battle of the Broken. Genesis chapter number 29. And we'll start reading in verse number 29. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? The Bible says this in verse number 29. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet another seven years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened up her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Verse number 33, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon and she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come in and worship you today, Lord. And I just pray that for the next few minutes, we will be able to have a holy attention on your word. And Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Give me the words to say that would be uh, helpful for us this morning and that we could be encouraged and challenged and edified from your word. And uh, Lord, I pray that we, ha- we would have open and receptive hearts uh, to learn how to uh, develop our relationships that would be in, in a way that would be pleasing to you. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you enjoy a good surprise? Can I see your hand? You like to be surprised, okay? Uh, how many of you have ever been surprised and it was actually not a good surprise? You were surprised in a not good way, okay? And uh, I remember uh, uh, several years ago, my family was having a birthday party for my eldest sister, Danielle, and it was her 16th birthday party. And uh, if you were at Girls Rock a couple of weeks ago, you heard Danielle talk a little bit about this story. And uh, we were getting ready to have this birthday party, and we all thought that Danielle was about to get a car for her 16th birthday. 
And uh, we all believe, yeah, Danielle's going to get a car. We were kind of wondering what kind of car is this going to be? What color is it going to be? Is it going to be old car, new car? And uh, we were kind of curious about that. And so we were having a great time at the party. Things were going well. And uh, towards the end of the party, my dad called us all together and he said, all right, everybody outside. So we knew what that meant. So everybody kind of went outside and Danielle's eyes were closed. And my dad said, all right, one, two, three. And Danielle opened her eyes and it was not a car. It was a goat. A pet goat. <laughs> and to this day, I'm not sure why my dad thought a pet goat would be a great present for a 16-year-old girl on her birthday. But that's what, that's what he got Danielle. And I was in elementary school, and I was thinking, all right, a goat. Like, good one, Dad. Like, this is going to be awesome. Okay. And uh, Danielle, she did not uh, think that that was a great gift. In fact, she started to cry. And uh, my dad went over and said, Danielle, why are you crying? And she said, I just didn't want a goat. <laughs> and uh, she did not want to get a goat. That was certainly a surprise. She was shocked, to say the least. And we come to Genesis chapter number 29, and Jacob is about to have the surprise of his life. Uh, he is about to be shocked, and he's about to get something that he did not want. And in Genesis chapter number 28, we see that Jacob is on the run. We left off last, last week, and there was a lot of family drama, and, and Jacob deceived his father Isaac to uh, receive prematurely the birthright. And so he took that birthright, and because of that, Esau, his brother, wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob is on the run, and uh, he's traveling, and he's out in the middle of nowhere in Genesis 28. The Bible tells us that he comes to a place called Luz. And Luz is in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing significant about Luz. And uh, Jacob shows up there, and, and there he decides to sleep and spend the night. And so he falls asleep, and he has this dream. It's, it's this incredible dream, and it's Jacob's ladder. And he sees the ladder, and the angels ascending and descending upon it. And there Jacob has his conversion moment. There Jacob puts his faith in God. And uh, that is, that is a, a transforming moment in the life of Jacob. And he renames the place Luz to Bethel, which means house of God. And so Jacob is now uh, kind of reinvigorated and he has a renewed step uh, uh, in his journey and he's going and he's still fleeing and he's still running from Esau, but this time he has a little bit of a spring in his step and we come to Genesis 29 and he's still on the run, but now he wants to find a wife. And uh, now he's getting ready, it's time to find a wife. And so uh, we're going to pick up the, the, the narrative in verse number 1 of Genesis chapter number 29. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you have a Bible with you or an app with you that you're using as a Bible, I want to encourage you to keep it handy uh, because we are going to uh, look to several verses this morning and quite a few uh, passages of Scripture that I want you to see this morning in order to gain the context uh, of where we're going to be this morning. And so Genesis chapter number 29, verse number 1, Jacob is on the run. It says this, Then Jacob went on his journey, and he came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it, for out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone. Now, now remember that the stone on the well was great, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And so Jacob said unto them, verse 4, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And so Jacob shows up to this place, and he sees these shepherds out in the field, and, and uh, he said, Hey, where are you guys from? And they said, We're from Haran. And that was good news for Jacob because that was the place that his mother, Rebekah, told him to go to find a wife. And so Jacob knew, okay, this is good. God is leading me. God is guiding me. I'm, I'm in the right place. Notice verse number five. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And that was also good news because that was his uncle Laban. That was Rebekah's brother. And so that's who he was looking for. And they said, Yeah, we know him. Verse number six. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. 
And so Jacob lifts up his eyes and he sees Rachel coming. And the Bible tells, that, that tells us that she is a beautiful woman. And, and Jacob sees her uh, coming, verse number 7. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep and go, go feed them. I like how Jacob kind of just takes control and he tells those shepherds, Hey, don't you guys need to be somewhere right now? Like Jacob was trying to get his game on. He wanted to talk to this girl that was about to come. He's like, hey guys, can you help a brother out? Like leave, you know, like go and water the sheep or do something. Okay, guys, leave. I want to talk to, talk to this girl. Notice verse number eight. And they said, we cannot, they didn't get the hint. In verse number eight, they said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. And then we water the sheep. And they said, Jacob, we can't leave because someone needs to remove the stone from the well. And usually it took several people to do this. It was very heavy. And they said, Jacob, we can't leave right now. And so it's kind of messing up Jacob's plan here. Notice uh, the next verse, verse number nine. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with his father's sheep, uh, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near, and he rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and he watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And so Jacob, he desperately wants to talk to Rachel and meet Rachel, and he wants to probably show off a little bit. And he says, fine, if you guys aren't going to go uh, feed the sheep and water the sheep, then I'm going to go. And he goes, and he removes the stone uh, from the well all by himself and you can imagine he was making sure Rachel was looking and he's like struggling and that would have been very heavy and he removes that stone it's kind of like uh, sometimes at our house Katie will ask me to open a jar in the kitchen and I'll go over and it doesn't matter how hard it is but I'll always act like it's easy like no problem here you go and uh, Jacob is is saying okay I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk to Rachel and he removes this uh, this this stone from the well and they begin to talk and they fall in love it's love at first sight Everything is going well. Jacob goes back home and he meets Laban and, and uh, him and Rachel are falling in love. And Laban is actually very nice to Jacob at first. And uh, he was very kind to Jacob offering, how much should I pay you? By the way, just because someone is good to you doesn't mean they're good for you. And Laban was very kind uh, to Jacob at first. And he was saying, how much should I pay you? You've been here and, and uh, you love my daughter and let me pay you. N name your price. How much do you want to make? And Jacob does not say a monetary value. Uh, he, also, he says, I want to marry Rachel. That, that's what I would like to do. I, I'll, I'll work seven years to marry Rachel. And so instead of asking for money, he says, let me work to marry your daughter. And so Laban agrees. And so everything is going great. Jacob loves Rachel so much that he worked seven years so that he could marry her. And it finally came time for their wedding. And uh, they had this great celebration. They had this great feast and everything was going great. And it came time for the wedding night. And then Jacob received the surprise of his life. Let's look at uh, verse number 22. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter. Now, Leah was not the woman that Jacob had just worked for. Jacob had just worked for Rachel. That's who he loved. Leah was the younger sister. The Bible tells us that she was the less attractive sister. We'll see that in a minute. But uh, Laban takes Leah, and, uh, and Laban gave, uh, verse number 24, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass, verse 25, that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And so Jacob goes to sleep on his wedding night. Everything is great. He wakes up the next morning realizing that he just slept with Leah, his wife's sister. And so he is no doubt shocked. Behold, it was Leah. Whoa, <laughs> you know, well, what, what's going on here? Now, how did this happen? How could this happen? Well, 
Uh, most likely it would have been late at night, it would have been dark. Most commentators believe that they would have been intoxicated, they weren't in their right minds, and this kind of, this kind of uh, trickery just happened, and Laban snuck in Leah instead of Rachel, and so now Jacob's in this predicament. Notice verse 25, Behold, it was Leah, and he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Jacob says, Laban, you tricked me. How could you do this? You deceived me. And it's interesting because now the story is coming full circle because we saw that last week Jacob was the deceiver. Jacob's name means deceiver, supplanter, heel grabber. Now Jacob is saying, you deceived me. The deceiver is now deceived. Be sure your sin will always find you out, the Bible says. And so, so now Jacob is here and, and uh, he's in this mess. He's in this relational mess. By the way, wherever there is sin, there will always be collateral damage. Wherever there is sin, there will always be collateral damage. See, Jacob didn't have the luxury. I'm just going to kind of do what I want, make decisions. See, all this happened really because of some decisions that Jacob made years ago. And now he's reaping the consequences. And not only is he reaping the consequences, but other people in his life are now reaping the consequences. Now Rachel and Leah are struggling. And now they are battling. And now there's tension and conflict between the two sisters and between this whole family. All because of what Jacob decided to do years ago. And so we see that Rachel and Leah now at this point in the story, they are battling one another. They are at conflict. They are at odds. They hate each other. They're both uh, upset with each other. They're both frustrated. They're both dissatisfied with their relationships, but ultimately they're dissatisfied with their place in life. Have you ever been there? Dissatisfied with your place in life or wonder what, what's my purpose? Typically the three most common questions that we'll ask is, what's my purpose in this situation? Why am I in this place? Or why do I have this pain? And no doubt Leah and Rachel were asking all three of those questions and those thoughts were circulating their hearts and minds. Why am I in this place? Why am I uh, having this pain? And what is my purpose in this situation? And the Bible gives us an encouraging verse in the, in the book of Psalm uh, 138, verse number 8. The Bible says this, and this, this was an encouragement uh, to me this week, verse number 8. It says, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. That's a great promise to claim. The Lord is going to perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. See, the psalmist says, hey, God is going to carry out his promise. God is going to fulfill his purpose in your life. So often we wonder about our purpose and we worry about our purpose. And what does God call me to do? And what am I supposed to do? And we wonder and we overanalyze and we overthink our purpose and what God has for us. But let me just tell you today that the promise that, that David was claiming here in Psalms is the same one that we can claim today, that the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. We can say, God, I'm trusting that you are in control and that you will complete your will for my life. See, we don't have to be so worried about finding our purpose if we're allowing God to fulfill our purpose. He says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And I love how he ends the verse. He says, forsake not the works of thine own hands. He says, God, you just keep on doing you. You just keep on being you. Forsake not the works of thine own hands, God. You just keep on working in my life. Keep on doing something special in my life. Does anybody believe today that we ought to be asking God, hey, do a work in my life. I want you to use me in a great way. I want you to use me for your glory. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And so Leah and Rachel are battling and they're hurting and they're in pain. And there is this relational mess and conflict. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look to the aftermath of that relational conflict. And I want to look to the aftermath of their pain. And I want to give us three encouraging reminders this morning that I believe all of us can claim today. And so if you're taking notes, three encouraging reminders. Number one, God sees us in the midst of our affliction. God sees us in the midst of our affliction. Would you notice what the Bible says in Genesis 29 and verse number 28? 
And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week and gave and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And so now uh, Laban says, okay, fine, you can have Rachel as well. Well, the problem is he already married Leah. He couldn't go back on that. And so Laban says, okay, fine, you can have Rachel as well. And so now Jacob has two wives, which is one too many. And uh, biblically, this was never condoned. Culturally, this was something that was common to have multiple wives. And so, so, so Jacob now has these Two different wives, which would have caused a lot of problems. The Bible tells us that Rachel was beautiful. She was the pretty one. In fact, Rachel's name means you lamb, like a little you lamb that's just pleasant and peaceful. That's what her name means. And literally, you can look up Leah's name. Her name means, in this context, cow. So that was not a very friendly name that her father gave to Leah. The Bible tells us early on in chapter 29 that she had something wrong with her eyes. She was tenderized, the Bible says. And so while, while Rachel was the beautiful one that had, had everything going for, Leah is the one that we could say has a nice personality. Okay? And so she was, the one that was, she was the one that was struggling. She was not very attractive. And so no doubt that brought a lot of pain into her life. And I want you to notice a couple of things here. I want you to see, first of all, Leah's pain. In verse number 30, we see it. It says this, and he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. So Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Now, now, that shouldn't be a surprise to us because Rachel was the one that he fell in love with to begin with. Rachel was the one that he worked seven years for, and so he loved Rachel more than Leah, but no doubt that would have caused some pain and some hurt for Leah because she felt rejected. And Jacob said, I, I want Rachel, and I'm going to spend time with her, and that's who I love. And Leah, I don't love you. And everyone, it seemed like in Leah's life, rejected her. Jacob rejected her because he loved Rachel. Rachel rejected Leah because she slept with her husband. Laban obviously rejected his daughter Leah because no loving father would put his daughter in that type of situation. And so everybody in Leah's life has rejected her and said, hey, you're overlooked. Just go over there. And so no doubt that would have brought a lot of pain and a lot of hurt to Leah. While Rachel was the pretty one who was getting all the attention and, and everything seemed to be going her way, Leah was rejected and she felt all alone and felt isolated. And I thought about that and I thought about our city and I thought about our community and I thought about our country and there are millions of people that are isolated, that are alone, that are hurting, that are carrying pain just like Leah. A couple weeks ago I was with my brother who was a youth pastor and uh, we were in Los Angeles and we went to a, a hospital that was a hospital that specialized in teen suicides, and the only people that could go there were teens that who uh, had attempted to commit suicide, and it was a very sad place. Every door that you passed through had a special phone that you had to call to get special permission to unlock it, and it seemed more like a prison than a hospital, and, and uh, there was hurting parents and hurting teenagers, and I just thought about that, and there's so many broken families and so many hurting people that are carrying real pain today. I read this week that on Christianity Today that uh, the teen uh, suicide rate among teenage, amongst teenage girls has doubled since 2007. And so there are real people that are carrying real pain. And maybe this morning you're here and you're carrying some pain that nobody else knows about. Maybe you're carrying some hurt that nobody else in your life is aware of. Maybe you are a single mom or a single father that's doing your best to raise children, but you're discouraged, wondering if it's enough. And, and maybe you're carrying some sort of burden or some sort of relational conflict or some sort of relational hurt in your life, and you have real pain. The Bible says this in Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. See, there are seasons when we carry pain and our heart just feels overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And this morning, if you've been carrying some pain or you know someone that's going through a difficult season or you have some sort of hurt, I want to give you good news this morning because not only do I see Leah's pain, but I also see God's provision. Would you notice it in verse number 31? 
And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, when everyone else overlooked Leah, when everyone else didn't care about Leah, when all the attention was on Rachel, God says, hey, Leah, I see you. Leah, I love you. Leah, I'm going to open up your womb because I want to bless you with children. Hey, Leah, I know that everybody else has overlooked you, but I want to remind you that I see you in the midst of your affliction and that I love you and that I still care about you, Leah. There's so many unloved Leahs today that need to know that there is a great God in heaven that loves them and cares about their situation. The Bible says this in Proverbs 5, verse 21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. Before the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says in Exodus 3, 7, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Aren't you thankful today that we serve a God that sees us in the midst of our affliction, that he knows our sorrows, that he knows our hurts, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. God knows what you're going through. He knows your struggles. He's well aware of our affliction. He notices the unnoticeable. He loves the unlovable. And he says, I see you, Leah. The Bible says in Jeremiah 24, verse number six, for I will set mine eyes upon them for good. Once God has got you in his focus, he's not going to look away. He's locked in. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this, indeed, our chief defect as Christians is that we fail to realize Christ's love to us. How important is it that we should meditate upon this love and contemplate on it? It is because we fail to do so that we tend to think at times that he has forgotten us or that he has left us. And that's why I love seeing songs like we sang this morning all about the love of God because we need to be reminded in a world that is constantly rejecting us that God has accepted us and has chosen us before the foundation of the world and before he formed us in the belly, he knew us and ordained us. He had a plan for your life long before you were ever even born. So God sees us in the midst of our affliction. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are numbered, all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. Can I tell you this morning that if his eye is on the sparrow, then it is certainly on your situation and certainly in your life. And God loves you and he cares about you and he wants you to know that he loves you. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love is demonstrated and displayed on the cross of Calvary. He loves us. God sees us in the midst of our affliction. But I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, only God can give you the approval that you long for. Only God can give you the approval that you long for. See, Leah struggled with her identity, which led to insecurity, which led to her looking for approval in all the wrong places. So many people don't understand that their identity is in Christ, and because they don't understand their identity, they struggle with insecurity, which leads them to try to find approval from the wrong sources. And so Leah is struggling, and she's battling with this concept of approval. Would you notice what the Bible says in verse number 32? If you're with me, would you say amen? Verse number 32, she says this, the Bible says this, and Leah conceived, God blessed her, and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Leah was saying, okay, I gave a son. See, in this culture, in Jewish culture, Jewish fathers would love and longed and desired to have uh, boys. They wanted to have male male children. And so Leah said, I've given him a son. Now, surely he's going to love me. In fact, the name Reuben means see a son. It's like she was saying to Jacob, see, I gave you a son. Now will you please love me? And she was looking for that love and she was looking for that approval. But Jacob was never going to give it to her. 
She said, now, now he's going to love me. She had another son. Notice what the Bible says in verse 33. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son. And she called his name Simeon. The name Simeon means hearing. She said, God, God surely he's heard me. By the way, aren't you thankful that God hears your prayers? The Bible says this in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And so not only does God see us in the midst of our affliction, but he hears our prayers and he's paying attention to what's going on in our life. And so, and, and so uh, Leah was saying, surely he's going to love me now. Now I've given him two sons, but he didn't love her. Notice what the next verse says. Verse number 34, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore uh, was his name called Levi. The name Levi means joined or attached. And this time we really see the depths of Leah's insecurity. And she says, now that I've given Jacob three sons, this time he's going to love me. This time he's going to choose me. This time he's going to be joined unto me. But he didn't love her. And she was, she was being blessed by God, but she was also being consumed with the task of seeking Jacob's approval. And she was looking for approval, and God says, I'm giving it to you this whole time. I'm blessing you. I'm giving you children. I'm loving you. I'm showing my affection for you. I'm showing my love for you. But Leah was consumed with trying to seek the approval from someone else. And so often in life, we are trying to seek the approval in all the wrong places. We're trying to get validation, and we're trying to get approval, and we're longing for acceptance from relationships, and we're longing for acceptance from certain crowds and from certain leaders and from certain individuals, and we're, we're, we're wanting and we're desiring that attention when we should be saying, God, the only approval that I really care about is the approval from you. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 10, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ." See, Paul was saying to the churches at Galatia, hey, the only person that I really care about is pleasing Jesus. I'm not out here trying to please everybody else and please all, all these people in my life. I just want to please Jesus. I read uh, this week about a, a tennis star whose name was Chris Everett, and uh, he was talking in a, in a recent interview about how he struggled with his identity after his tennis career and towards the close of his tennis career that, that he was kind of struggling with his purpose. And he said this, I had no idea who I was or what I, or what I could be away from tennis. I was depressed and afraid because so much of my life had been defined by, by me being a tennis champion. I was completely lost. Winning made me feel like I was somebody. It made me feel pretty. It was like being hooked on a drug. I needed the wins. I needed the applause in order to have an identity. See, by his own admission, he said, I have this craving. I, I just need people to approve of me. I need that applause. But can I tell you this morning that the approval from God is far greater than the applause of this world? The approval from God is far greater than the applause from this world. And so often we are looking for approval in all the wrong places. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Can I tell you today to stop trying to seek approval from all the messed up Jacobs in the world and start seeking approval from God and God alone? Because only God can give you the approval that you long for. Only God can give you the acceptance and the validation that you truly desire and that you truly need. And so Leah is looking for acceptance. Notice what finally happens in verse number 35. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. She had a change of perspective. Before she was saying, man, I just want Jacob to love me. I just want him to be happy with me. I'm giving him all these sons and please, Jacob, will you love me? And now she realizes that the approval that she wants can only come from God. And so she names her son Judah, which means praise. And she says, now, therefore, will I praise the Lord. See, so often we need to stop complaining about our situation and start celebrating our Savior. 
start praising the name of Jesus, saying, hey, I know my life is not perfect, and I know that I wish things would be different, but God is good to me. He's been a good, good father, and I love him, and I just want to praise the name of Jesus. And so Leah says, I'm going to praise Jesus, and she now has a change in perspective. And I want you to notice number three this morning. God uses imperfect people to carry out his perfect plan. God uses imperfect people to carry out his perfect plan. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 30, in, verse, in chapter 30, verse number 1. Chapter 30, verse number 1. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied. Everybody say envied. Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And so we see here now that Rachel and Leah, they're both burdened, they're both broken, they're both battling. They're both hurting. And Rachel sees that Leah is having children, and so she comes to Jacob, and she says, Jacob, give me children, or else I'm going to die. And she was being a little bit dramatic, and she was also being a little bit selfish. It was all about her, and it's revealing about our human condition how most of the time we are concerned with number one. We're concerned with how things affect us rather than others. And uh, Adam Levine, uh, he is the lead singer for Maroon 5, and he was married in 2014, and, and uh, he wrote his wedding vows 25 minutes before uh, the actual wedding ceremony, and he said this to his, to his bride. He said, I love you more than I love myself, and we all know how much I love myself. <laughs> and he spoke that in jest, of course, and he was being humorous, but isn't that so revealing about our human nature, how we really love ourselves? And Rachel says to Jacob, you better give me some sons. Leah's having sons, and hey, I I'm the one that you loved, and I'm the one that you worked for for so long, so give me some sons or else I'm going to die. And Jacob, Jacob gets frustrated with her. Notice verse number two, and Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld uh, thee uh, from thee the fruit of the womb? He says, hey, I'm not God. I'm not, I'm not God, Rachel. I can't just magically give you children. And so they were frustrated. And I want you to see in closing today two, two uh, principles here at the end, two, two, two things that I want us to take note of. First of all, I want you to see that Rachel and Leah had discontentment. Notice their discontentment. Verse number three says this, And she said, Behold, my maid Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees that I may also have children by her. And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid to wife, and Jacob went in unto her. And so Rachel says, man, I've got to have children one way or another. And so Jacob, go ahead and sleep with my, with my handmaid Bilhah. And, and, and through her, I'll raise my own children. And we'll just pretend like those are my kids. So sleep with her and do that. And she just so desperately wanted to have children, even if it had to be through those means. And so she says, sleep with her. And it's so interesting because Leah was longing for approval, but Rachel was longing and looking for achievement. See, Leah was unloved, but she was producing. Rachel was loved, but she couldn't produce. And they both wanted what the other person had. And so Rachel was desperate for achievement. She wanted to achieve, she wanted to produce. And maybe this morning your problem is not that you are unloved, maybe your problem is that you are unfulfilled and that you are looking for purpose, and you're looking for fulfillment, and you want to achieve, and you want to accomplish something, and you get frustrated because you start looking at other people, and you start saying, well, I can't do what they do, and I don't have what they have, and I just wish I could go there and be like them, and I wish I could be that talented as that person. We start to look around, and we start to want what someone else has. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that can commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Anytime we start to look around and say, what about them? And I want to be like them. That's not wise to make those 
comparisons. It's not both sisters are frustrated. They're both satisfied. They're both dissatisfied. And the Bible says in James 3.16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And so they are envious of one another. And it goes to extremes. Notice verse number eight. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed because Bilhah had a son and she says, now I've prevailed, victory. She says, I win. This whole thing was a competition she wanted to achieve. She says, she says, okay, now I have prevailed. And finally, she felt some sort of weird sense of accomplishment and some sense of achievement. But we see them going back and forth. Notice verse 14. And Reuben went in the days. Reuben was, uh, was Leah's son. And if, if what I read is correct, he's about six years old at this point in the story. And so Reuben, verse 14, went out in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes. Everybody say mandrakes. He found some mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. What is going on here? What's a mandrake? A mandrake was kind of like a little plant and had some flowers on it and had some fruit on it, kind of like a plum. And so Reuben's out in the field, he's six years old, and he's like, cool, mandrakes, I'm going to get my mom a flower. And he goes back and he gives it to Leah, and Rachel sees that and says, give me those mandrakes. <laughs> I want the plums. And then Leah's like, you can't have the plums. You, you took my husband. And she's like, it wasn't your husband. Give me those plums. And it's like, what are we arguing about here? Notice what it says in verse, verse 15. And she said, is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? And wouldest thou also take away my son's mandrakes? And Rachel said, therefore he shall lie with me, uh, shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. And Jacob went out in the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And, they, and he lay with her that night. It's like this crazy scene. In this, in this culture, in this time, mandrakes would have been superstitious. They believed that it would increase fertility. And so we see Rachel longing for her own children. She desperately was willing to go to uncalled-for measures because she wanted to have children. And they were both dissatisfied and they were both discontent because God was giving them the approval that they wanted, but they weren't looking to God. They were looking at what each other had. And so they were discontent. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Everybody say great gain. You want to know how to, you want to, know how to receive more in life and get the most out of life? Be content with what you already have. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us, uh, let us be therewith content. And so we see both sisters are frustrated. Both sisters are upset at each other, and they're going back and forth. They're both broken. They're both battling. We see their discontentment. But I want us to see also, in closing this morning, I want us to see their destiny. Because God loves to use imperfect people to be a part of his perfect plan. So I want you to see their destiny. Would you notice verse number 22? If you're with me this morning, would you say amen? amen? And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And so God remembered Rachel, and he hearkened to her. He opened up her womb in verse number 23, and she conceived and bare a son and said, God, I've taken away my reproach. God remembered me. He didn't forget about me, verse 24. And she called his name Joseph. And said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And so finally, finally, Rachel has her own son. His name is Joseph. And she is excited and she is ecstatic. And this is her beloved one and only child as of right now. And it's Joseph. And Joseph went on to be a special son. He went on to be a type of Christ. Nothing negative is said about Joseph in the entire Bible. 
And it's interesting because Rachel wanted so bad to achieve. She wanted so bad to produce. She was really wanting to have a child and she wanted to produce. And it's interesting because Jacob, or excuse me, uh, Joseph went on to be the prime minister of Egypt. And when the whole nation was in famine, who was the one that was able to produce and save a nation? Joseph was able to save his family and save his nation and what they meant for evil, God meant it for good. And so, so Joseph was able to produce and God was saying, hey, Rachel, I'm gonna use you in ways you don't even know about. I'm gonna use you in great ways. See, God loves to use imperfect people, a part of his perfect plan. And, but God also used Leah in a great way. The Bible says in verse number 35, and she conceived again in chapter 29, she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she left Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. If we were to turn over this morning to Matthew chapter number one, we would find the genealogies and the lineage of Jesus Christ. And it's those, that long section of scripture where it's so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. You know the chapter that we usually skip over in our Bible reading? The Bible says this in that, in that lineage, in that line. Matthew chapter one, verse number two. And Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Judas, speaking of Judah and his brethren. And so Leah gave birth to the man that would be in the very line of Jesus Christ. And while Rachel rejected Leah, and while Jacob rejected Leah, and while Laban rejected Leah, God said, I'm gonna select Leah. And I'm gonna use Leah in a great and mighty way and she's gonna bear a son and he's gonna be in the very lineage of Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. See, God loves to use imperfect people according to his perfect plan. God says, hey, I have a plan for you, Leah. I have a plan for all the unloved Leahs and the unfulfilled Rachels. I have a plan for you and I wanna use you in a great and mighty way. God had this great plan and he says, I wanna use you. See, we need to stop being so worried about what's happening to us and start seeing what God wants to do through us. So often it's all about what's happening to me and all the bad things that are happening to me. But what does God want to do through you? What amazing work has God called you to? And what family has God called you to lead? And what person has God called you to love? Because God wants to use you in a great and mighty way. And so when the devil jumps on your back and says, hey, hey, you can't do that. And you're good for nothing and you have no value. You just remember and point him to the cross and say, that's how much my God loves me. And that's how much my God cares about me. If anybody knew... If anybody knew about rejection, it was Jesus. The Bible says in John 1 verse 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Luke 17, 25 says, but first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. If anybody knew about rejection, it was Jesus. If anybody knew about pain, it was Jesus. He came and lived a perfectly sinless life and he loved people. And he cared about people and he did miracles and he taught uh, great teachings and he brought the good news of salvation and he was loving and he was kind and what did they do in return they rejected him and they sent him to the cross and they nailed him to the cross and there he died on the cross for our sins and it looked as though darkness had prevailed but aren't you thankful today that three days later on that third day Jesus rose from the grave and what looked like a rejection was now a resurrection aren't you thankful today that the stone which the builders refused became the headstone of the corner he is our cornerstone he is our solid rock he is our firm foundation it's all about Jesus and Jesus alone and I want to tell you today that he loves you and that God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sin and so when you start to feel discouraged and when you start to feel broken just remember how much God loved Leah and how God used Leah for his great and mighty plan. Would you stand together with me this morning?
going to have a time of invitation, a time of reflection, but considering God's love, considering how much God loves us and his overwhelming, unending, reckless love, considering that kind of love, let's sing this song this morning as Seth leads us and think about the great and wonderful love of God. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.